Welcome to MS Minute with DCND, your podcast for understanding multiple sclerosis. Every month, our MS experts tackle a different topic to help you manage your disease and live a better life. DCND is a private neurology practice based out of Dayton, Ohio. It's certified by the National MS Society as a comprehensive MS care center. Please note this podcast and its content is designed for educational and informational purposes only. Welcome to MS Minute with DCND. As always, thank you so much for joining us. I am your host, Natalie Pugar. Multiple sclerosis is most commonly diagnosed between the ages of 20 and 40 years old. This happens to be a time in the life of people, many people who decide to have a family. So what should people living with MS know about fertility, conception, and pregnancy? We are breaking this all down today with neurologist Dr. Nicole Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. So let's start by getting the big question out of the way. Can women with MS have a healthy pregnancy? Yes, absolutely they can. For most women, the disease course itself will not be affected by pregnancy or breastfeeding and vice versa. Of course, there is an individualized approach to each patient, so it's super important that patients who have MS talk very early on with their MS provider if it is something they are considering. Okay, so this is a sigh of relief for many, obviously, I'm sure. Um, so let's start with the you know beginning with fertility. How does MS impact fertility? So when one of my patients expresses interest in trying for a baby or family planning, I usually start off by congratulating them because that is extremely exciting for patients, um, no matter what point of life they are in. Um, But then because... um, Obviously, you have to take into consideration everything that's going on. Uh, We take a very individualized approach at that point in time, Um, have a conversation that's based on multiple different things, such as the disease course that they have had, any disease-modifying therapies they are on, um, and then also kind of their comfort level with what's going on too, what comfort they have with risk as well. Um, So lots of different things to be thinking about early on. There's really no evidence that MS impairs fertility. Studies have actually shown that some fertility treatments can increase risk of relapse in women with MS. But more recent studies have actually shown that there's really no difference in fertility in patients with MS. So really we're kind of hoping for ongoing research in this area um, to kind of continue to further elucidate this for us. Um, if patients who are on disease-modifying therapy are of childbearing age and are starting to consider pregnancy, they're often on forms of contraception. And so we start talking about when to stop contraceptions and then also when to attempt pregnancy. Um, This can be dependent on what disease-modifying therapies patients are on. So things that we're all taking into consideration. Really, none of the disease-modifying therapies patients are on are approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. But we do know that There are some studies that actually have shown us that interferon beta and glutyrimer acetate are safe in pregnancy up until conception and during pregnancy. Um, For women taking fingolimide or other similar agents um, or even natalizumab, there may be risk of rebound disease early on um, after stopping the medication for pregnancy. So all these risks really need to be taken into consideration and having an open communication with our patients early on can help to mitigate those risks. So all in all, family planning for someone in MS or with MS, sorry, involves many unique considerations, so be sure to early on have that conversation with your MS provider, um, including 
any conversations about use of fertility treatments, timing of stopping contraceptions, and then also just early on having conversation with this medicine be something that's easy to transition from or onto after pregnancy or before pregnancy, all those things. So really, you need to have this conversation, you know, before you even try. Yes, I um, honestly, I try to really incorporate it early on in my conversation with patients. Um, Because again, a lot of times it's young, either males or females, Mm -hmm. which we'll kind of touch base on early or later on in our conversation. But young females, when they come in, that's one of the first questions I have is, are you considering, is there any chance right now that you're thinking about that? We want to be having that conversation early on so that we can have a easier approach into pregnancy. Um, I think it helps the landing a little bit better. (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay, so let's talk about, you know, you mentioned a little bit about the DMTs. Um, What do you look at and what is considered um, when you're looking at the DMTs during pregnancies? So there's a lot of things to consider. It's a really complicated kind of picture, but the biggest things we talk about is when to discontinue disease-modifying therapy. Do you want to discontinue it before pregnancy, at conception, or post-conception? I often even, like I mentioned, incorporate this into my initial disease-modifying therapy discussion with my patients, because even if it's not something that's actively being considered um, at the moment, but if it is something in the next year or two, I want to make sure that I'm putting them, kind of setting them up for success. Mm -hmm. So while we there's just so many pieces to be taking into consideration, I just always want to have that on my radar. Um, never really too soon to start that conversation. Okay, so there's some DMTs um, that you would prefer them on before pregnancy. Or Correct. After, yeah. Or if I'm going to put them on something to help stabilize their disease modify or sorry their disease course, then we'll say okay we have this game plan in place we'll get through get you through this year and then we'll talk about it next year once we know things have stabilized and kind of have a better better approach it allows being proactive is often very helpful in in these kind of situations okay so um let's discuss pregnancy itself is there a risk of miscarriage stillbirth or birth defects for those pregnant with ms So there's no evidence that MS itself leads to an increased number of spontaneous abortions or miscarriages, stillbirths, or congenital malformations. Several studies of large numbers of women have repeatedly demonstrated that pregnancy, labor, and delivery in the incidence of fetal complications are no different in women that have MS compared to those who do not. Um, There are fewer relapses during pregnancy, especially in the second and third trimester. Okay. So why is that? So we know that there's a lot of changes that take place in women's bodies during pregnancy, which are thought to contribute to less inflammation, less, therefore less MS activity and less relapses. Okay. So what can be done in that rare chance that there is a relapse during pregnancy? So obviously we we don't want you to be fretting over that, but if you do experience a relapse during pregnancy, treatment with corticosteroids, for example, methylprednisolone or prednisone um, can be considered. Corticosteroids are thought to be safe um, in the second and third trimester, but are not considered to be completely safe during the first trimester. So we do have treatment options uh, in that situation if we do have a breakthrough relapse. But that is rare. Correct. Definitely is rare, not something to be super stressed about because, again, pregnancy is already a stressful thing and we don't want to be adding layers onto that. Okay. So how soon after delivery can you alter your treatment of MS? And like what is the course of, you know, treatment after delivery, I guess? So um, studies of pregnancy and MS have actually previously found an increased relapse risk in the first three months um, postpartum and disease stability prior to pregnancy has really been considered something that will help to kind of mitigate that risk. So we really 
more recently have found that there are, there actually are studies more recently that show there are no um, increased relapse rate in the postpartum period. So again, we're a little bit back and forth on what we have seen in the past now that we've had newer agents that have come out and kind of newer approaches to treatment of MS. But um, we do feel that breastfeeding, if you exclusively breastfeed, can actually help to decrease risk for a relapse in postpartum periods. Um, While it can't completely eliminate the risk, but we do know that breastfeeding does appear to have some protective benefit to mom Um, to mom and baby Mm -hmm. obviously um we also will start discussing pretty much right after postpartum again it's it's really a conversation with my patients what is your level of risk what are your goals of of your postpartum period some patients who want to solely breastfeed and don't want to expose to medications i just i take all of that into consideration and I honor, you know, I honor my patients' wishes, and right. we empathize with our patients. Moms are not not vulnerable by any means, and so just making sure, having that conversation, there's no one way to do things. Every patient's situation is a little bit different. Mm-hmm, I bet so. Um, speaking of that, I know we kind of breeze through to delivery, but what about, you know, during pregnancy, can any symptoms of MS kind of get exacerbated? So as we all know, pregnancy is... Not always the most comfortable time (laughs) of our life. So yes, of course, MS um, symptoms can get worse during pregnancy. Fatigue is a big one, but those are typical symptoms of pregnancy as well. So certainly fatigue um, and, you know, body aches or gaining weight during this time frame, all of those things can definitely get worse during pregnancy. Bladder symptoms are a big one too that a lot of MS or patients with MS experience and that can get worse too because you have the pressure of baby sitting right there. Mm -hmm. So all things that just get worse during pregnancy can certainly in patients patients who have MS are not excluded from that. On top of that, we are also having having to consider what other medications our patients are on for these side effects that maybe they did have from MS. Um, And those oftentimes are not safe in pregnancy. So we may have to pull back some of the other medications that they may have been on for some of their other symptoms. And in that situation, of course, those symptoms might get a little bit worse. So yes, of course, things can get a little bit less comfortable during pregnancy, but I think that's common for the general population too. Yes, yes, okay. So, um, you know, we talked a lot about women, obviously, in the the pregnancy, but you you mentioned early on about dads. So any consideration for men who have MS should be aware of before they conceive? Yes, most definitely. While it's not as layered or as complex as it is for women, we definitely need to be considering our male patients who have MS as well. The type of disease-modifying therapy can be important as few medications, namely teraflunamide, can be teratogenic at the time of conception. Um, so dangerous for baby or definitely cause significant complications. Um, so we have to recognize that, and that's a conversation to have with our younger male patients who might be considering um, having a, you know, family planning, I guess, or even our older male patients too. Um, but also we have to kind of in a holistic approach recognize that postpartum time is not solely exclusive to mom. It's also mm-hmm. dad is very involved in that too in most cases. Um, so something that is very demanding. We're sleeping less. We're more stressed. There's a lot of new complexities that are now being brought into the household. And those kind of complexities, less sleep, more more stress, can certainly put you at risk for a relapse. So we need to be taking those patients under our wings as well and making sure to educate them that you know you have to make sure you're getting your sleep and making sure you're doing what you need to do to help kind of get rid of or minimize the stress in your life 
keeping our patients on our those patients on our radar too is just as important. So not exclusive to mom. Dads also need to be involved in it too. So okay. So um, postpartum period. Just one final question here for the for the mom. Um, you know, when is it safe to resume the DMTs if they if they did stop? So again, that is very patient-specific. Some patients, you know, tell me, I I don't want to have any risk of exposure to baby. I want to breastfeed. And we do know that some medications can go on into breast milk and aren't safe to use during during breastfeeding time. But some patients want to resume medications right after they deliver, which which is reasonable. It's just a conversation of what is safe for baby and mom Um, some patients want to wait a little while so there's there's definitely ways to kind of bridge that gap Um, whether you want are somebody that wants to start right away you want to be someone who maybe goes on a lesser efficacy medication in the meantime or someone who wants to just wait until they're through the breastfeeding period and then then resume so um, there's again no one way to do it it's really patient specific but all things we can adapt to which I think is really the the purpose of this conversation is I think in the past, there's been a lot of conversation about, I've had, unfortunately, a couple of patients that have come to me. I was told I couldn't have kids, and that's oh. so unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and I just want to emphasize that we can we can have this conversation together and, and make these things possible for our patients. Good, good. Any final words that you'd like to leave with, uh, you know, those, those patients who are in their childbearing ages? Yeah. I think, um, again... Time is everything. Making sure you're just very upfront with your doctor is key to all of this. Um, The sooner we know your intentions, the better. I always kind of jokingly tell my patients, you know, obviously have that conversation with your spouse and then maybe tell your family. But I want to be the close second or third person to find out so that we can really make sure that we're doing it as safely for you, as safely for baby. Mm -hmm. Um, But knowing that is exciting and something you should still be just as excited about. We don't need to be fearful we can we are here to help you and help guide you through the process so love it okay thank you dr alexander for shedding some light onto this thank you for having me